Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up? This is Will Carroll and you're listening to the Vieira Vault. Smack him a gob and back by popular demand. Mr. Will Carroll is joining me again. Hi, Will. Hey, what's up, bro? How you doing, man? Good, man. I'm glad that you wanted to come back. As we promised on that last episode you were on, you wanted to talk priest. Well, we're going to oh, go yeah. through the whole discography. It's probably okay. a trick for <laughs> All right. I'm down. But before we get into the discography, I got to ask the question I always love to ask is, how did you get into Judas Priest? Uh, you know, just hearing uh, you got another thing coming on the radio. That's the, I know it's a generic answer kind of, but that's the first time I heard him in 82. Because, uh, yeah, I was born in 73, so I was only uh, I was only nine years old, you know. So uh, I heard you got another thing coming on the radio, and I just fucking loved it, man. And then uh, shortly after that, I heard Unleashed in the East, and, and that was it. You know, that, it was over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's the first one I heard. Uh, first time I heard Priest was I went to Germany with my parents in 79 uh, to visit my brother that was in the Army, and he had uh, Unleashed in the East on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God. And that was the time, you know, when I was looking for heavier bands. I do remember seeing there was like a head shop type store that had a, a, a poster of Judas Priest them on motorcycles and leather. I go, man, this band looks wicked. But I didn't hear them until I went to Germany. And the first song I heard was Exciter and Forget It, you know? Holy I'll never, dude. I'll never forget hearing that for the first time where Rob, like, at the end, keeps going higher and higher. Yeah. And I was like, no way, man. I mean, when he hits that last Exciter note, I was like, forget it. This is the, I, I need to buy everything this band owned, uh, has released, you know? Totally, man. And, and also the, the uh, drumming on that album, Unleashed in the East. I mean, most thrash metal drummers or just any kind of metal drummer will say that that's one of their favorite drum albums, dude. That, Les Binks is on fire, that whole record. And uh, just like this, the double bass work is pretty advanced for the time, you know. And uh, he, he definitely plays a big part in why that album sounds so fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. And that's the reason he left the band, because they refused to pay him for that album. Really? I I never actually heard the official reason why. uh, I read somewhere that uh, they complained that he hit too soft and they wanted like a a more slamming type of drummer. But I've seen videos of of him playing. and He doesn't hit too soft. He hits just fine, you know. So it was because they wouldn't pay him, huh? They wouldn't pay him. And if you look at the album, notice he's not in the pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah, the front cover, you can't see him at all. Yeah, or the back, you know, they, you don't see him at all. By that time of the release, he was already out of the band. But um, Wow. Yeah, he is, I, you know, is he your favorite Priest drummer? 
Absolutely. Mine as well, man. I'm dying to see that uh, KK band. You know, I, I met Ripper Owens before the pandemic, and I was like, because already they announced they were doing a thing. I was like, dude, you guys got to play America, this and that. He's like, oh, that's the plan. So, man, I mean, I would love, to, I mean, I love to see KK because I miss KK like crazy, man. I do too, man. I do He's too. Such an important part of the band. And, you know, have you read his book? I have it. Um, I'm a little backed up on books. I just finished the Steven Tyler book yesterday. So um, I'm going to be starting the KK book sometime this week. But I heard it's really killer. It's a great book. It's actually really good. And he goes into a lot of specific. And uh, he's, he claims in that book Dave Holland was no pedophile. So, and I, you know, I always, yeah, and I always thought he was. And then after he died, there was uh, reports of him saying, I never did anything, and I was like, you know, I had bad lawyers giving him bad advice. So who knows? Maybe he wasn't, but but he claims, KK said, there's just no way I can never picture that guy doing stuff like that. So, but um, I've seen I've seen Rob Halford say kind of the same thing that uh, he never saw any of that kind of behavior, and you know, he toured with him for a decade, you know, and he never saw anything like that. And uh, I think they're actually putting his name back on. Uh, uh, new pressings of the old albums. They, like once that, that that shit happened, they took his name off all the old records. You know that, right? No, I did not know that actually. Yeah, there's there's pressings of uh, at least on the CDs. There's there's pressings where like the back of Ram It Down it has like the normal version has all five names in bold red letters, and on the back of Ram It Down on the reissue, it's just the four names. And he's not even there. Yeah, they didn't even give credit to the drum machine on that album. <laughs> oh yeah i'll definitely talk about that when we get to ram it down into the, the the fucking discography but yeah totally dude it's so obvious that the drum machine man <laughs> yeah yeah that's like you know and there's also a rumor that you know did you see the ram it down tour that's my first juice pre-show nice i saw it as well there was a rumor. Remember he was on that big, big riser on that show? Yeah, it was a killer stage. Yeah, they, there was a rumor that inside the riser was a drummer. I don't know how true that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They said there was actually somebody inside the riser like, playing the songs. But that's some shit I read online. But, you know, it has to be true. It was online. <laughs> Didn't you post a Ram It Down concert not too long ago? Uh, I might have. The, the Ram It Down show I saw uh, was filmed, uh, you know, bootlegger. And it's up on it's up on uh, YouTube, the whole show. And, uh, you know, it says, Judas Priest live in Miami. And it wasn't. It was in uh, a place called Pembroke Pines. But the place was called the Hollywood Sportatorium, which is about a 40-minute drive from Miami. But maybe I posted it to say... This wasn't in Miami. This guy's got the, uh, the thing wrong. But I've seen a lot of shows on YouTube from Hollywood Sportatorium that they would say live in Miami. You know, Right. But I watched that, or I watched most of that concert recently, and uh, it looks like Dave Holland's playing to me. You, you can see him pretty good in some of the, some of the yeah. angles, and it looks like he's playing to me. Yeah, that, it's, to me too. That's why I found it odd when I heard that, because, you know, it is – a huge riser. I was like, yeah, I can see a drum fit in there, but you know, yeah. But, but like when, when I first, uh, when I got Ram it down, 
Uh, actually, that, that's a story for when we get to Ram It Down. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so uh, you want to start at the at the very beginning with Rockarola? Absolutely. What do you think of Rockarola? Um, when I first heard it, I I didn't get it, you know. But uh, I think it's awesome now, and I think it's a really depressing album, and uh, it just has a gloomy vibe to it. Like, it just reminds me of where I grew up. Uh, like, I grew up in a city called Daly City, right outside of San Francisco. And it would be gray and foggy all day, all year uh, long. So, just the music on that album matched my, my surroundings a little bit. And I love it. I love, like, winter and deep freeze and, like, yeah. all that shit. Yeah, it's fucking psychedelic and heavy. And the side, two is just so depressing. Like, dying to meet you and... Hero, hero! I just, I love it, dude. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I love it too. It's, it's different, and you know, Judas Priest really finds their sound on the next album. But you hear the hints and never satisfied. Yeah. Uh, I love uh, Run of the Mill. That's probably my favorite. It's a long ass uh, ballad, but I that love song, that song. That song's kind of a bummer too. I mean, I love, I love it. Oh, but yeah. it, it definitely has a gloomy vibe to it, you know. Yeah, it's a very gloomy record, and they were very, very hungry at the time, starving. Uh, I don't think Al Atkins was out of the band that long before this album was recorded because uh, he has a lot to do with the songwriting on it. Totally. And, um, but they found, you know, uh, I don't know if you heard the story, how they found Rob Hoffer was. Um, his si- Rob Hoffer's sister was, was dating um, Ian Hill. Yeah, right. And they ended up getting married, right? Yeah, I think so. And uh, one time they were at home and Rob Hoffer was in the shower singing a Doors Day song. (laughs) And and they were like, damn, that guy can sing, you know? (laughs) And and I've seen uh, interviews after where Rob Hoffer was like, I never sang a Doors Day song in my life. I don't know what they're talking about, you know? (laughs) But, but, you know, it, it is a strange album, though, but it is awesome. Yeah, I mean, even though, like, the lyrics are, are odd, like, he, he sings about a woman on, on that album, a cheater, you know? Like, he has a girlfriend, so yeah. it's just, yeah, the whole thing's kind of a trip, but I, I do dig it, man. And, like, the album covers, which album cover do you like better, the original soda pop one or the one with the winged uh, mechanical warrior type Well, of thing? if you can ask me which one I like visually better is the wing one but i don't think the wing one like represents the music neither does not the at all song. dude not at all yeah it, it, it represents something you know like like screaming for vengeance or something you know totally totally uh, bottle cap is what i grew up on so i don't mind it but yeah it's kind of a lame cover but i i, I dig it what, which one do you prefer um I, no i i feel exactly the same i think the 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 reissue one's cool looking i'd wear that on a t-shirt you know uh but the original one i i prefer the original one it just fits the album better like you said and also yeah. that album cover the album cover was made for the rolling stones and they rejected it oh really i did not know that yeah yeah so i'm, I'm just trying to like figure out like what rolling stones album could that have been that was 74 right uh, rock and roll is 74 right yeah they probably it probably was an album that the Rolling Stones probably even changed the album title because right, I can't right. th- I can't think of like you know Exile Main Street Sticky Fingers and stuff like that it doesn't really 
have nothing to do with that, you know, album cover, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, Rob Halford's name is uh, Bob Halford on that album, right? Yes, you're right, yeah. you're right. It is uh, Bob Halford on the album. You ever noticed uh, Cheater, the beginning of Cheater, kind of reminds me a little bit of the riff on Saints in Hell. You ever notice that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I never made the comparison, but you're right. Totally. Yeah, I always, yeah, I, I thought, and actually it wasn't until me owning this for years and years that one time I heard, I was like, man, that, that's fucking Saints in Hell, you know? It really is. It's just, you know, poorly produced, so it's kind of hard to notice. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, but, um, the, the drummer on Rock and Roll is pretty good. Uh, John Hench, is that his name? John or? Hench, yeah. I think yeah. he was only on that album, right? Right. But uh, I thought he was better than the guy on Sad Wings. Yeah, that was Alan Moore. Alan Moore, yep, yep. And I and they didn't like Alan Moore actually. Like Glenn Tipton had issues with Alan Moore right from the, the beginning, from what I've read. Like he didn't even want him in the band. He didn't. He thought he was subpar, and like he wasn't happy with the the way the drums turned out on Sad Wings of Destiny. But uh and then they got uh John Hinch back in the band, I think for the Sad Wings of Destiny tour. Wow. But then he that I think so. And then that didn't work out again. I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure he did come back to the band. Um but yeah, let's talk about Sad Wings. That's like that's my second favorite or third favorite Judas Priest album. Uh, I mean, it's, that's it, it's amazing. It is my favorite studio Judas Priest album. It uh, for the longest time was stained class, but you know the thing about Sad Wings is that I lived with Unleashed for so long that mm-hmm. when I finally put this on, it just sounded so slow, and totally. I didn't really get it so much. But now it's like, man, I love these versions, even though they're different, and I prefer the I prefer Unleashed in the East version. But man, you know what I really love on here that the, that's not on the Unleashed is when they go. Tyrant. I love that, man. <laughs> tyrant. <laughs> During Tyrant. It's just so cool. I love that. Tyrant. You know? I, that's that's funny. Uh, my, my brother used to make fun of that chorus whenever I'd be listening to it in my room. And he'd hear that. And he's like, what, is he waking up or something? And he's stretching? Tyrant. <laughs> tyrant. <laughs> All right, I on me, though. There's a lot of like little details on the studio versions that aren't on Unleashed in the East. So yeah. uh, it's hard for me to pick which one I like better. Uh, I love like the the studio version of Genocide. It has yeah. almost it's like extra sound effects going on, and it's a pretty well produced song on the album. Um, and this, every song I love. The the weird thing about that record is I bought it on vinyl. It was probably a reissue. It wasn't the original pressing. I bought it like in like '83, and um, and the the order of songs were uh, incorrect, I guess. But I, that's how I listened to it for my whole life. So on, on the version I have, side one is is a uh, tyrant, uh, is prelude and tyrant, and the, and genocide, and then side two is victim of changes. But now, if you buy the album, it's, the album starts off with victim of changes all the time. Did you ever yeah. have a do you ever no, have a vinyl no. version? Huh? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've had the vinyl version, but it always started with Victim of Changes. But I don't think I bought it uh, till much later. I think it was like around eighty three, eighty four is when That's I finally I heard mine this. Around. I bought mine around that time. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's odd. Yeah, mine mine started with Victim of Changes, you know? Hmm. And that little so, uh, when she was mine is not on the Unleashing the East version on Victim of Changes. The little mellow part. Totally, the, the extra vocal. She was mine. Yeah, yeah. And now, and now Rob does that live. He does. Yeah, totally. He that live. Totally. Right. And he also, he also, uh, I think he does something else uh, on the Ripper live now that he does in the, on the studio version. But not on Unleashing the East. I can't remember what little detail it is, but there's something he does different on the studio version, and now he's doing it live as well, and it's so fucking cool, man. Man, and the Ripper, what a riff, man. And uh, the, just that middle section, dun, 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 that whole thing, the, the ominous vibe to it, the creepiness about Jack the Ripper. Totally. It, re- it really does capture it. And, man, a song that, you know... Now, the deep track, that uh, man, Island of Domination. Oh, yeah. Is such a badass song. And this album, Victim of Changes, was originally called Whiskey Woman. Yeah. Uh, which I never heard that version. But then there's, like, part of it that's Whiskey Woman, which obviously has to be the beginning of it. And then Rob wrote, uh, Rob Glenn and KK wrote the second half of it. Right. So that this is the only time Al Atkins appears on this album where he's on several songs on rock and roller. So that's why I think this album is more kind of like, uh, you know, um, you know, I, ju- I'm, ju- I'm distracted here because I just see what you said. Cause I'm looking at the Wikipedia disc. It says the sad wings of destiny disc of the 17 disc complete album collection from 2012 put side B tracks before those, from side A, Prelude did not appear on some pressings. So, yeah, so that's how my vinyl was. Like side, even on the back cover, it was side one, Prelude, uh, a Tyrant. And so it's weird for me to hear the album now, starting out with Victim of T- Changes. I like the other version way better. I think uh, Tyrant's a better opening track for the album. But well, um, yeah, and the Prelude too, because it has that like intro. Totally, totally. Yeah. I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I wish I would have got that version first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the only thing about <laughs> Island of Domination that I kind of don't like is when Rob Hoffer goes into that when he does that <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, uh, the song is great. And I actually remember what he does on the Ripper on the studio version during the during the solo, he does a oh, oh, that's oh, right. And he doesn't do that on uh, Unleashed in the East. Yeah. But he's doing it live now, you know. It's just really cool how he's harking back to the studio versions. Keep it oh, that, real. That's cool. I never noticed that. Yeah, you're right, man. Unbelievable. So, um, yeah, anything else you want to say about Sadwings? I, I think it's just awesome. Yeah, dude. I mean, like I said, it's in my top three. I, I, I fucking love it. That's the album. I think that's the third album I bought. The first album was, uh, excuse me, it's probably the fourth album. The first three albums were uh, Screaming for Vengeance, Unleashed in the East, Defenders of the Faith, and then I went back to, into the 70s stuff, and that Sadly's was the first one. And I loved it right when I put it on, even though with the weird production and it just sounds really old, but uh, I loved it, dude. There's just no, no denying those songs, no matter what the production is. So it didn't it didn't like throw you back a little bit the first time you heard it comparing it to the Unleashed versions? 
I mean, yeah, I, the drumming, I was like, oh, this dude's really lazy compared to Les Biggs, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that, do you, is that him in those videos? You know that, what is it called, Whiskey Test, where Rob had that long hair? Yeah. Uh, that was that's, him? Uh, that's John Hinch, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I kind of remember that guy. Yeah, but he kind of kept the same tempo as the album on that on that video. Yeah. Oh, totally. so Alan Moore didn't even play with them. It didn't. It didn't seem like it. I I know they got John Hinch back in the band right away when they went on tour. Yeah, because that that whiskey test is Sad Wings era. So yeah. you're right. He did come back. You know. Yeah. Odd. And I wonder why he was not kicked out for the next album, which is your favorite one. That's right. Sin, Sin after, after Sin. Sin. Hell yeah. What a monster album with uh, the drumming by uh, studio Simon Phillips, who they asked to join the band, but he wasn't really a metal guy. And he was also, he had like tons of session work coming up. Actually, the the very next album he worked on after Sin After Sin was White Snake's, uh, what the fuck album? Uh, the, the second White Snake album, I think. Um or maybe it was David Coverdale's solo album. He was working with David Coverdale immediately after Sin After Sin, so he couldn't go on tour. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't a metal guy, and he just wanted to be a session drummer, you know? Is this the first double bass on Call for the Priest on a metal record uh, ever recorded? I, I I would have to say maybe yes, man. I mean, there is a, I, Bill Ward was doing double bass. Like at the end of Wheels of Confusion, he's doing double bass, and some moments on um, uh, uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath on the album, not the song, but the album, he does some double bass here and there, and even on Sabotage. But it's not like that, though. It's not like a thrash metal, like pat, like speed and, and just a, a, a consistent rapid fire, dig it, 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 like uh, less of a, uh, what's his face, Simon Phillips is doing. So, I mean, Bill Ward was doing it before, but it wasn't so much a, a thrash metal type of vibe. So I would have to say, uh, call for the priest uh, is uh, a raw deal. Is or just call for, call for the priest is definitely the first thrash metal beat song. And you know what? What most double bass pattern themselves after? Because what you're talking about, Bill Ward. Bill Ward was very sporadic. So maybe you know the, the double bass played after uh, you know those songs wasn't as uh, faithful as it was on Call for the Priest. Absolutely, it wasn't as syncopated. You know, and just like total metalized, you know, Bill Ward was kind of doing random, random shuffle beats on the kick drums and he's just doing some cool shit, but it was just kind of more random. And so as far as like a, like set to a grid type of vibe, uh, I think, yeah, call for the priest is the first quick double bass song. I mean, before except before motorhead, uh, fucking awesome, man. I love it. And, uh, it always fucking bothered me. On my pressing, I had bad luck with my <laughs> with wow. my pressings of, of Judas Priest albums, but uh, on my pressing of Sin After Sin, which is from like the mid eighties, um, it would say uh, it would have a it would have a call for the priest raw deal instead of call for the priest let us pray, which is how it is on the on the actual album itself. But on the back cover, it would say it would say let us pray and then call for the priest raw deal. And I used to always drive me crazy because it's a total typo, a total misprint. Right. And every 
every pressing, even CD pressings, were like that for many years. And they finally corrected it like 10, 15 years ago. Now it's in the correct order. But there's tons of copies with the, the wrong song order on the back. And that's the one I have. <laughs> you know what? I have it too. I'm looking at mine right now. You're it right. It says, call for the piece. Raw deal. Yep. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think the raw deal says raw deal in the song. I'm not nope. sure. Nope. But it does say, it does give a little hint about what Rob Hoffer was, though. Like, it's talking about going to a bar in Fire Island. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, man. You know, uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget when he came out and people, the metal world was shocked. I was like, what do you mean shocked? I knew this guy was gay forever, man. Totally, man. Haven't you seen that cover of Cream magazine? No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, and you know, there was a club down here called Treehouse that okay. he he was co-owner of. And I'm talking about '83. Well, no, this was even before um, Screaming for Vengeance. This is like '81, around point of entry. A friend of mine uh, got hit on in the bathroom by Rob Hofford at that at that club. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be flattered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, and when he said that to me, I was like, I had a feeling, yeah. And ever since then, I was like, yeah, man. And, and you know, I mean, Jawbreaker. I mean, there's a lot of innuendos <laughs> in a lot of their songs that, you know. But, yeah, Metal World was shocked my ass, you know. I mean, I saw that coming. But I'll tell you something. If you don't know this, I'm going to shock you, Will. And I'm going to send you, because I have it in my computer. Okay. When, uh, I have, uh, this is crazy, dude. A circus magazine from 78. This is before Unleashed in the East. Um, there's a little article in there, and I and I scanned it and everything for everybody to see it. Rob Halford, <laughs> this is insane, dude, did a porno called Teenage Rape in the 70s where he performed sex with four girls at the same time. And, uh, and th this was reported in Circus Magazine? Yep, and I have it. And I even uh, I even scanned it, and I'll send you, I'll send you the scam of it. You you have the porno too? <coughs> no, the porno. I was talking to a friend about this. A lot of those pornos in the seventies were made on like you know Super Eight reels, and right. they they die out. Like I don't think you can ever get that. And with a title like Teenage <laughs> Rape, you know, it's like damn. <laughs> And in the article, I, I've too, never heard that. I've never yeah, heard about this. I, I'll send you the and uh, and in the <laughs> article, Rob also said it wasn't a pleasant experience. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I was like, I was yeah, he must wrong. be gay, man. He must be gay because boy, for four chicks, I, I'd have a pleasant experience. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he is known, you know. Rob Hoffert was uh, before priest. He worked in porno shops, like. Um, he was like, you know, the guy that would ring you up and sell you shit, you know, at right. the register. And there was a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. Spud. He, that's it. And I was shocked when I saw that movie. I was like, holy shit, that's Rob Halford. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much playing a role that, that he actually lived before Priest. <laughs> totally, man. And, you know, I, I've read that CBS Records uh, uh, kind of frowned on the lyrics to Raw Deal. And, uh, told him not to do that again so that's why if you notice on uh, all the follow-up albums when he's t singing uh when he's talking about something romantic it's just you uh or he never he never says he or she anymore it's always just you so you like you know uh, you could leave it to the listener's imagination but i read that cbs was upset about that 
Wow. And in that article I was talking about, the porn article, CBS was fighting to get that out of a theater because they the, the, the article said it was showing in a theater and on the marquee, singer of Judas Priest and teenage rape. <laughs> Wow. And, they, and they were trying to outlaw it or some shit, you know? Who He's knows? Talking about, the fucking, talking about the Holy Grail and priest collections, man. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Teenage rape. What a title. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll definitely yeah, say man. that. Yeah, man. Um, it's quite I, shocking. Before, totally. Before we move on, I, I just want to talk about the album cover, too. That's probably my favorite Jewish priest album cover. That's like... Uh, like, like you don't, you're not quite sure what's going on there. There's like a, like a temple or something, you know. It's well, and that, is that girl, and it's fucking awesome. Well, you know, and I, I don't know if you've seen it or not. And I have many pictures of it. That's an actual monument in a cemetery. Yes, and yes. I have many, many pictures because I've seen, you know, one of my priest groups, and that I discovered maybe a year ago. Yeah, me know? too. All these too. pictures of that monument. I was like, holy shit, that's the. You know, minus the, the glowing eyes and the skull. Everything right. else is identical, yeah. you know? Even the ocean in the back. I believe there was water in the back of that monument. Right, right. Now, we can't, and we can't leave this album without talking about, like, Descending Aggressor. Uh, oh, yeah. That song right there, man. I mean, you know, Slayer later covered it. But, man, you want to talk about just the beginning of it and the way that Rob, like, you know, kicks off that song with that crazy scream. Yeah. And one of the greatest KK solos. Total KK. Yeah. Wendy uh, Bar all over the place, man. It's fucking yeah, awesome. total KK. K, uh, Carrie King. <laughs> what did you think of the Slayer version? I, w- I, I uh, you know what, dude? I, 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 I didn't hate it per se, but I just didn't think it did it justice. But that's just me. I, you know what it is? I'm just so used to Halford's voice. And I yeah. love Slayer, and I love that album, too. That yeah, album, I think, too. has a lot of criminally underrated Slayer songs, like Silent Scream and Live Undead. But um, I, I don't know. I just, I, it didn't really, like, you know, like, grab me. Did you like it? Um, I, I, I mean, I like it, but I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Like, I think it's the, the low point on uh, South of Heaven. Like, everything else, I, I love uh, completely, but I yeah. When it gets to the Judas Priest song, I, I sometimes skip it. Um, I didn't think it was bad, but yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I'm so used to the Priest version and hearing Halford belt it out that that's the only version I can hear. You know, it's just odd listening to that song without those high pitched screams. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the stand. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like the Slayer version, they're, they're doing like a, 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 a guitar lick instead of the vocal part. You know and it doesn't doesn't quite work as well. Um, and, and crazy enough, decades later, Descent Aggressor wins a Grammy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Grammy, you are known as a Grammy nominee now. Congratulations on that. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, my, yeah. my whole life has changed. No, <laughs> red carpets for you everywhere now, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, you know, on the Sin After Sin tour, that was uh, the first time they played San Francisco. Yes, I've seen Led pictures. Ze- yeah, yeah, opening for Led Zeppelin, dude. Day on uh, the Green, I believe, right? Exactly, man, exactly. And I heard, I, from what I've read, they got kind of booed off the stage, or they didn't have a warm wow. reception. Um, but that, there's a recording of that show floating around somewhere. I saw it on eBay once. 
uh, and it was a little out of my price range, and it was gone within a day. But I've seen pictures like Glenn is wearing all green, yep. and you know, and uh, you know, the, Rob Hoffer has the sash, and exactly, <laughs> uh, exactly. But, uh, this is before they 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 changed the leather look. But you know, a lot of people, um, and uh, KK mentioned this in his book, but. <clears throat> I knew this before I read KK's book. It was like, man, I've seen footage of Judas Priest like in Tokyo stained class. Uh, KK's wearing the leather before Rob. Yep. You know, and he doesn't really, Rob gets all the credit for it, but it was really KK, the first guy to wear the leather. Well, he, you know? he talks about that in his book, that he was yeah. the first one. Yeah, yeah okay. he does. He does. And, uh, and believe it or not, I mean, KK really messed up a lot with his um, promoting the book. But he doesn't bash anybody in the book but Glenn Tipton. Like, he uh, he has a hard-on for Glenn Tipton, but he said nice things about everybody in the book except for Glenn Tipton and the worst thing he can do and the reason that he's not back in Priest, Glenn Tipton's wife, who's also the manager. Oh. I, I, believe, I believe it's his wife. And, yeah, he bashes her too. So, of course, they don't want him back. And yeah. to, me, to me, Judas Priest, man, I mean, it's... I'm just going with speculation, but I see it as a Sharon Osbourne type thing, too. Like, she's calling the shots, man. And, you know, maybe Rob and, and Ian would take him back, but I don't think she would allow it because he fucked up. And also, in a lot of interviews, he was bad-mouthing everybody in Priest, but he doesn't sure do that. was. He doesn't do sure that in was. the book, man. He, he's very respectful for everybody, but Glenn, he had a lot of bad things to say about that's you know. too bad, man. Uh, Glenn Tipton's my favorite member of Judas Priest. Yeah, Glenn Tipton, man. I, he wasn't the nicest guy when I met him, but maybe he was having an off day. But, yeah, he was super cool when I met him. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I met, I'm him, sure I met him at an airport bar. And he, he, I walked right up to him. He was very approachable, and yeah, he was friendly and took a picture with me. And it was, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised because I'm always afraid to meet my, my heroes, you know, but he was right. cool. Yeah, he was, he would, I, I, I even took a picture with him and like, you know, I didn't want him to stand up, but he was like, uh, and, but he stayed sitting down, you know? And I was like, well, right. but, but yeah, he was like, he, can I get a picture? He's like, oh. and I was like, damn. And he's like, all right. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> Where KK, you know, this is during the Ripper era. Everybody else was super nice. He had hell. And, and, uh, Scott Travis was trying to bang the girl I was with, which wasn't my girlfriend. And I was like, bang him. <laughs> and she was like, "No, he's too tall." I was like, "All right." And I was like, "But it been it would have been cool, man." <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> but and um, uh, also got to bring up the sinner, man. That oh, song is the shit. Sinner, fuck yeah, man. Talking about the opening track. Um, that's one song I I love both versions so much. It's, I can't yeah. decide whether it's the studio or the live version, because there's some cool shit in the studio version that you don't get on the live version. Um, yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite, all-time favorite Judas Priest songs. Yeah, I was stoked when they, they brought it back to the set list. When I, when I saw them for the first time on Ram It Down, yep. they brought it back into the set list. I was so fucking stoked, man. Yeah, it was the first time they played it since Screamin', the Screamin' tour. Yep. Which was yep. the first time I saw him. And I'll talk about that when we get to Screen for Vengeance. I also want to talk about uh, Starbreaker. And the reason I want to bring up Starbreaker, I don't know if you saw the last leg of the Firepower Tour. Did that go to San Francisco? Oh, yeah, with Uriah Heep. Dude, was that a fucking set list for the fans or what? 
Totally, man. Totally. Dude, take these chains, killing machine. You know, uh, it was just, and when they played Starbreaker, I was like, yeah. fuck, man. This Didn't is they like, do Saints in Hell, too? Well, they did that on the first leg of the tour. They well, didn't do it on that one. Okay. Yeah, but, man, I mean, I left that show like, I'll never forget there was a guy going, man, they didn't play Painkiller. And I'm like, <laughs> well, dude, you know, I, I even looked at the guy, I go, you should have seen Judas Priest before, dude. They played all the time. I mean, this was a show for us, the hardcores, you know? Yep. And a real funny thing about that show was, you know, when bands play those deep tracks, people leave. People weren't leaving during this show. Oh, Everybody everyone was like, Everyone was singing at the show at the Warfield. People were just singing their hearts out the whole time, man. It was great. Playing Steeler and, oh, my God, it was like, it was the greatest deep cut show ever. It was totally like, we want to play this show for the hardcore fans and fuck you, Johnny Come Lately's. Totally. You know? Totally. But a great album. Roger Glover produced yep. it. Never uh, got paid. He never I got was paid. About, I was about to say that. Roger Glover said he never got paid for that <laughs> shit. But they got signed to CBS Records, which was awesome. Or yep. Columbia. Columbia, wasn't it? Or, I think no, it's I think, C- CBS. Yeah. Well, and um, the beautiful thing about that era was, man, there probably wouldn't have been a Judas Priest if it was released today because Sin After Sin didn't sell much. But no. back then, there was artist development. Totally. You know, they would, they were like, all right, you didn't sell nothing. Let's do it next time. Let's, you know, and, and gradually they became huge. But, you know, that's the sad thing about bands today on major labels. It's like, man, if you don't sell much, you're out. No developing whatsoever. But yeah, you're right. They wouldn't have made it past Sin After Sin, probably. Yeah. The first probably. three albums didn't really sell at all. But, no. uh, uh, I mean, CBS seemed to be butting heads with Judas Priest the entire time they worked together, though. You know, it, it was kind of a rocky re- relationship, but they definitely saved the band in, in that aspect. Yeah. But uh, anything else you want to say about your favorite album? From uh, Except for the only thing I, uh, I don't like about it is the drum production. The drum performance is the best of any Judas Priest album, arguably. But it's just the, the the tones of the toms are terrible, and the, just the drums don't sound too too snappy and kind of muddy and thuddy. So that's the only thing I, I don't like about the album. But other than that, it's a perfect record. Love it. You like? Uh, yeah. Um. Uh. You like? Um. Here comes the tears. Fuck yeah, man! <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, I, I love it too. A lot of people don't, you know. Or last words of the summer. You know, a lot of people get turned off with those songs. I my favorite pre I'll say it right now. I don't like Epitaph. I never did. There's something <laughs> about it was too Queen. I love Queen, but Judas Priest, you're not Queen. And uh though I like Priest more than Queen, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it was too queen sounding. It you know, it was like I don't know. I, it, even though it is my favorite studio album, it's a weird thing about me. There could be a clunker on the album and I'll like it over an album that has nothing but great songs. Right. You know I mean? I'm I'm the same way, man. You know, uh, it never really bothered me, that song, uh, Epitaph. Uh, the only thing I, on that song that's kind of weird is uh, when they hit that wrong note. Like, they all hit, like, a sour note. The person. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I never thought of that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I'm, I'm shocked Halford let that, let, let that fly, you know? <laughs> well, you know, it was Gull Records. They were like, you know, 10 cents to record it, you know? So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one take, you're fucked. 
no, I want to, no, no, we got to go. You know what I mean? Totally. They were starving. I mean, I remember them saying they were making like 10 bucks a week or something like that. Yep. They were just starving, you know, during the Gull records era. And boy, did Gull milk those albums, boy. They still are. Um, totally, dude. I mean, like, Hero Hero. Yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a cool compilation, but it's just, you know, it's not really necessary. Awesome artwork. Yeah, um, the, the best of Judas Priest. Yeah, the uh, best of Judas Priest are the two samurai guys on the cover. Yeah, it has, uh, it has um, um, Diamonds and Rust. Um, and it's, it's a different version of Diamonds and Rust. Exactly. Not, yeah, yeah it, ha- it has uh, Alan Moore on drums. Yeah, I've noticed that too. And uh, I, uh, Rockerola was released on Record Store Day like two years ago. I bought it. It was a 180 gram, and it's kind of, what do you call that when you touch the cover? Like, embossed? Is that the yeah. Like, the, cu- the, the, the b- bottle cap is embossed, and That's even cool. the little water drops. And it sounds amazing, the sound on it. I believe it was clear vinyl. I bought it. I was like, fuck it, man. I mean, my, my copy's so old and scratchy that it's great to get, like, a, a decent cover. And it sounds actually good. So I highly recommend, uh, you know, if you can find that record, uh, record store exclusive uh, Rockerola, it's worth getting. And it was put out by Gull? Yes, I I gotta look at it again, but I believe Gall still fucking owns that shit and just milks it like crazy. Have you, know? you ever have you ever looked at Gall's uh, roster of uh, bands and no. the albums they release? Dude, no. Judas Priest is the only band of that of their ilk. I mean, the rest of it is like proggy jazz. Any and... popular? Anything popular? No, dude. No, I that Judas Priest is like by far the 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 cash cow for that label. I mean, just. Just those two albums alone probably finance everything they do, you know? I mean, I never heard... I mean, I'm not too hip on the jazz fusion, the psych uh, right. realm. So maybe these bands are popular in that realm, but just I didn't recognize a single name except for Judas Priest on their roster. Wow. Was there a lot? Oh, do, you, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. It was It was a lot, but it was all artists from the, the mid to late 70s. I don't know if they're still signing bands nowadays, but... Uh, everything I saw seemed to look like 70s stuff. All right. Then we go into the next album, 1978, which is Stained Class. What do you think of this one? Oh, songwriting-wise, um, it's some of the best stuff they've ever done. And uh, definitely moving way forward into the metal direction. And, uh, yeah, I love it. But I think the production really is the Achilles heel on this album. And it's just so thin sounding, and uh, it, it, like so, some songs, like the guitars barely, they sound like they barely have any distortion on them at all. Like on uh, on the song "Stained Class," on it's just really small sounding, which is a shame, you know, because this album's definitely like the songs are definitely metal, like they're they're writing metal riffs, uh, but this, the production kind of hurts it a little bit. So that's why it's not in my it's not in my top five. But I know most people. It's either their favorite album or it's in their top three. And like lots of reviews of it uh, say it's the first real heavy metal album of all time. And, uh, and I, I can't argue any of that. But it's funny. I never see anybody talking about the, the production because, I mean, what do you think of the production? It's pretty. Well, pretty I, thin. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I said this to you before on oh, the last you episode. Did. You yeah. did. I know what you did say. <laughs> I, I have this flaw, man. I can't tell what's bad production. Except for Blizzard of Oz, Born Again, and uh, Hotter Than Hell, which 
all three albums I love, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I can't tell the bad production on this. It sounds 70s. It sounds more primitive than everything from the next album on. Yeah, I yep. can I can tell that, the primitive vibe to it. But, yeah, as far as, like, you know, the tinny and all that, I, I can't tell, man. And uh, I don't, I'm never going to clear the, the, I'm never going to clean the wax of my ears because I want it to, I want to continue enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I hear you, man. Like, why, why uh, ruin it for yourself? <laughs> yeah, fucking ear infection, schmear infection. I want to hear stained classes. I've always been listening to it. But what's, um, your, what's your favorite song on the album? Man, that is hard. And it'll sound weird for me saying it. It's, you know, it's a tie. Um, Exciter, mm-hmm. uh, probably because it's the first one I ever heard, and I gotta go with a real deep track that not a lot of people talk about. I mean, Heroes that, End. you got it, dude. Yeah, dude, that song is so fucking awesome. Yeah, dude, it's heavy and, and, and mean sounding, and, like and, and yeah, it's just so yeah, dark. And Rob Halford, you know, the way he delivers it. and just the band in general, you know? Tipton yeah. wrote it himself. Yeah, dude. It's a great way to end the album. And you're right. No one ever talks about that song. Uh, I I think they, they played it a few times on the Firepower tour. Uh, wow, man. I think I saw a set list with that in there. But yeah, I, I would freak the fuck out if they went into that. <laughs> I mean, I love how on uh, Unleashed in the East, if you, you ever notice this, some Jewish Priest fans don't notice this. Uh, the intro for Genocide is the beginning of Heroes End. You know but, what? No, I never noticed that. It's just it's just sped up. That's fucking cool, man. I love yeah. that. And even that even though it is the riff of of Genocide, it's still got that. Heroes End vibe. To, yeah, right, dude. I never noticed that. Yeah. Now I got to listen to that album again. Even I just listened to it last week. That's one album Unleashed in the East I play so much. It's ridiculous. Me too. Me too. Never get uh, sick of it. And uh, but yeah, and of course, like probably my favorite uh, Glenn Tipton solos on Beyond the Realms of Death. What he does on that solo is just so phenomenal. That's funny. My favorite Glenn Tipton solo is also on this album. But it's on White Heat, Red Hot. Great, great song. Tipton wrote that alone as well. Yeah, dude, that song. Oh, man, cool double bass work throughout the whole song. It's kind of a slower double bass pattern, but it just sounds awesome, man. Uh, the fills are great. Um, yeah, man, I, I love every song. Like Invader. Actually, the, the only song I don't really like that much is I only care for uh, better by you, better than me, too much. Uh, Same here, dude. And I kind of give it a pass since it's a a cover. But it's if I was to pick my least favorite, it'd definitely be that song. Yeah, it's, it's it, kind of whatever. It's not to me. It's not horrible, but it's kind of a whatever track. Totally, dude. And how can you kill yourself to that song, dude? Talk about <laughs> talk about picking the lamest yeah. fucking song to blow your brains out to. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you play it backwards. It says, do it, do it. And every time I play it, I do my dishes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I do other things except put a shotgun in my mouth and blow my brains out. <laughs> you know, dude, that documentary fucking pisses me off on uh, many, many levels. But there's a 
the scene where the the guy with the mutilated face is uh is talking to a a therapist or a doctor, and he's, he's talking about the Judas Priest lyrics and how they kind of like put him in a trance and and he was like possessed by him or whatever. But he was singing the lyrics to Dreamer Deceiver. Yeah, uh, and I could see that song if you're doing enough drugs and you're in a shitty home environment, like your parents are beating the shit out of you. And you're just in your room all day getting high, and this your life sucks. And listening to that song over and over again, I can see someone fucking blowing their brains out. But better by you, what the fuck? But like in the movie, he's trying. He's he's telling the the doctor. Uh, he's even humming the song, and the doctor keeps on putting on better by you, better than me. And he <laughs> and he's trying. I think he even tells him like, no, no, no. He couldn't remember the name of the song, but he's like, no, that's the wrong song. But they just went with that tune. So it's funny, like, you know, they're, they're getting accused of trying to kill off their fans with a, with a cover tune. You know, like, that's just so weird. That whole thing was a, was a weird time, man. Yeah, it was, it, it's ridiculous, too. Like, uh, the comedian Bill Hicks had a whole bit about this whole thing saying, yeah, like, you know, bands are going, how, how can we kill our fans? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the most... I mean, don't you want to sell a follow-up album, you know? <laughs> it's just ridiculous, you know? Totally. And even though the, the the lyrics are beyond cheesy, hey, man, when I go to pizzeria, I want cheese on my pizza, man. Totally, it's fr- dude. It's fresh mozzarella, but, man, Saints in Hell, I don't mind those lyrics. They're, they're you know, blood-setting bats and shit like that. I was shocked when they said it was the first time they ever played on the Firepower. So I was like, wow, you didn't play this back then? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. You know what? The song also never gets uh, talked about. A real deep priest track is a, a song that Ian Hill wrote, uh, "Invader." Oh no, yeah, uh, no, that Invader. Uh, he wrote either "Savage" or "Invader." I think yeah, he it was "Savage." No, it was "Invader." "Invader" with Tipton and Halford, and and "Savage" is just Halford and Downing. That song is a trip too. No one ever thought about it. "Savage." I love it. Love <laughs> so that do I, song. Man. So do I. Savage and and cool double bass going on where it's the debut of Les Binks. Yeah, man. Any closing things on Stained Class? The album cover, man. I love I love oh, yeah. album covers, dude. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird cover, man, and pretty violent. Yeah, kind of like a bullet through the head, you know. Why didn't the Why didn't the cover inspire them? Yes. They never brought up the cover, did they? They brought up a, a cover song from Spooky Tooth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a song here, Beyond the Realms of Death. <laughs> you know? So, totally, totally. Back. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the album cover, I mean, this is something people don't agree with me on ever. I, I think I've met one person who agrees with me, but I, I actually prefer Jewish Priest covers to Iron Maiden album covers because they're just kind of bizarre and a little bit more abstract, if you will. Like, just kind of weird. But I, everyone's like, you're insane, dude. There's no well, way you three have better covers than Maiden. <laughs> you just met the second person that agrees with you. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah? You agree with me? Oh, man. This, Sad Wings of Destiny? Yeah. I mean, those are the most kick-ass album covers, you know? And oh, the next one, too, is a really badass album cover. It's so kind of like... Well, Stay Class and Hellbent, they're both album covers that, what the hell's going on in this picture, you know? Yeah. But but it's good. It's thought-provoking. And, uh, you know, the metallic, a lot of people think that this is when they all went leather. 
because you know, uh, but it's not. I mean, there's footage of this tour in Japan where yeah, KK's wearing the leather, but Rob is still with the sash and the you know the furly you know sequins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's still uh, you know very fruity looking. Where it wasn't until the next album is where you know they went full full leather. You know, totally. But yeah, I, I love it. Uh, not much more to say about Stain Classics. We we pretty much touched on everything, but it's just such a a great metallic album for me and historic, you know. Yeah. And going back to it, you know, listening to it, you know, years and years after the fact, I was completely blown away. Going, man, I think I like the '70s stuff more because Stain Class, I think I discovered around the Screaming for Vengeance era. Uh, me too. Me too. Yeah. But uh, the next one, they went a little more commercial, but it's still heavy. But you already see the direction they're going in, into the 80s with uh, 1978's uh, Killing Machine in Europe. And over here, it was uh, Hell Bent for Leather. Yeah. And um, dude, I love you... the production on that album. I mean, the drums sound fucking... You can hear the room. They're, they're, they're just, they sound slamming and big. Not too big though, like not overproduced. Like it's just the right amount, you know. I, I love the way the drums sound. Um, and just the guitar tones are way souped up, and it's definitely yeah, it's definitely the step uh, towards uh, um, British steel. It's definitely going more in that direction and simplified. The songs are simplified and the arrangements and everything, but it's a little more rock and rolly of an album. But I come on, delivering the goods. What an opening track, dude. Damn. And rock and rock forever, man. Yeah. The first two songs, like the album starts off great, man. Great. Amazing. I love it. I love delivering the goods. Such a badass song. It pumps me up, man. Every time I hear it, I feel like drinking a beer and like breaking a law of some sort. No <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, the title track. Um, which uh, I know I bought this album after for vengeance because my first tour first time seeing priest was screaming for vengeance and they played hell bent for leather first time i ever heard it yeah was, you know rob coming out in a motorcycle and playing their song and i was like oh man i gotta get this album i, I got this album soon after that show because i was just so turned on by that song but um what can i say i mean you know there's a, some good deep track i love i don't know but you feel this but man it's like my favorite ballad from priest is before the dawn well, you like hell yeah, dude. I mean, it's not my Beautiful. favorite ballad, but it's a great fucking song. I agree. Uh, amazing solo from KK. Very, very emotional. Yep. And uh, I, I have to overlook the lyrics because I always thought, you know, what you said earlier, they made him change the way he wrote lyrics. But I always thought he said that song, Don't Take Him Away, Don't Take Him Away From Me, something like that. That's what it sounds like. But I never I really. You said, read the I thought you said. I thought you said. Don't take it away from me. But maybe it's it. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Uh, um, I know exactly what you're talking about, though. I, I can hear him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, this album, when it was released, didn't have the Green Man Alishi. Um, it wasn't until later releases, and I believe. Let me overlook this to make sure, because I think this was released in England first. Yeah, it was released October. Oh man, it doesn't say here, uh, but I'm I'm pretty sure the the British version didn't have uh, Green Man Alicia, and then when they released it here in the states, they added it. And what a cover! 
Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to look at my. I have the the European uh, version right here. Have machine. To look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think of the song uh, "Burning Up"? That's a deep track. Love it, man. We I got to make a love. I just love the hell out of that song. It has a no. total di- disco vibe to it, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> the the very beginning, it sounds like what you hear at the beginning of Unleashed. The exciter exactly. build up. Oh, dude, I, I, not many people notice that. Good idea, yeah. man. It's that. Yeah. 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 I, I hear it. I hear the same vibe on Exciter. You know, it's a, but oh, I love Burning Up. Yeah, very, very deep track on here. There's a, my, my favorite tribute album ever. And I thank my friend Holy George. They released it here in the States, but it's only one CD. But he was stationed in the Navy in Japan and they released it. It's called uh, A Tribute to the Gods. And he bought me the two CD version. And there's a version of Burning Up on there with John Bush singing it fucking awesome it's really, really oh yeah yeah there's a i forgot who else played you know i mean it's an all-star thing but john bush sings it and a great cover too well it's um oh saves in hell from fate's warning i don't know if you're a dad no but dude, really you're, good you're right the european version doesn't have green monolishi i never noticed that before i don't think i ever played this i just bought it because i wanted the you yeah, know, the original version but i never listened to it you're right. Did you get that? Did you get that like when you were touring Europe and shit? Absolutely. I figured. <laughs> yeah, it's man. hard to come by over here. Yeah. Dude, you know who else has uh lots of European versions that you can only get out there is ACDC, dude. Almost every fucking or every Bond Scott album, even Highway to Hell has a, a Euro version where their album covers altered a little bit. But they, there's so many different versions of those old albums floating around with different mixes and completely different song orders or some tracks on this version, some tracks are on, on the other version. Like it's crazy, man. But yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always uh, on the hunt for ACDC uh, when I'm in Europe, anywhere at a record store. They're the first, that's the first section I go to. I bought, I think this was around 1990 and it's very hard. I looked it up online. It goes for thousands of bucks. Now it's, um, it's a box set of all the ACDC albums from the seventies. Okay. And, and uh, Kicked in the Teeth doesn't have a guitar solo. The ending of um, uh, Down Payment Blues uh, just fades out without that final riff. Um, it, there's extra lyrics to What's Next on the Moon. And I also have a CD box set of all the Australian versions with TNT and High Voltage. Yeah. They're all mixed together. Jailbreak was on Dirty Deeds. Yeah, with yeah. Scott on the cover, you know, the, the cartoon. Totally. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Yeah, Dude, and I have I yeah. have the the European the, that that version of Powerage you're talking about. I have the vinyl of that and with that it's song. Like, what was that? Hard loving man or something like that? Uh, cold hearted man. Yeah, cold hearted. Uh, that's on there. And yeah, dude, the the way t- uh, kick to the teeth starts is is different, dude. Like, yeah, you know, it starts on, with an open chord, right? Exactly, dude. That blew my mind. I was like, yeah. oh, why why did they keep that? That's yeah, so yeah, fucking yeah. cool. <laughs> Bad, All right, yeah. but back back to Judas Priest, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, like it's funny. Side two of a uh, Hellbent for Leather. Uh, there's a lot of uh, deep tracks, like even Evil Fantasies. You know, that's love a great it. way to end the album. But I know people who hate that song. Oh my god, I love that. To me, that's essential, Priest man. Yeah. yeah. Listen to that song. I think of Rob Halford and the Whip. 
You know, yeah. it's like and that you know that that gritty sexual tension. Uh, that's a great, great song. Like it reminds me a little bit of uh, what's Pain and Pleasure from totally. uh, from uh, Screaming. You know, it's got that you know this fucked up sexual uh, you know connotation to it. It's a brilliant song, and yes, an amazing way to end the album. But yep. something we haven't talked about, and uh, that annoys the piss out of me about all these albums. We, well, this album, and I guess Sin After Sin and uh, Same Class are the bonus tracks. Oh, oh so like fuck, you know? What? I mean, they're like. Uh, let me go Race back to Sin Class. Devil? Like, that was probably the only decent one, but uh, the uh, fire still burn. Fire burns below is a bonus track on Saint Class from the Ram It Down session. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I hated how they did that, dude. Like, on all the albums, there's yeah, it's totally, um, totally out of time. Yeah. Yes, and 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 listen to this. Race with the Devil is from the Saint Class sessions. Why don't you put that as the Saint Class instead Absolutely. of the Sin After Sin? And then Jawbreaker from Long Beach Arena. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just annoys me, these bonus tracks. And then Help uh, Killing Machine or, or Hellbent for Leather has Fight for Your Life recorded during the Screamer for Vengeance sessions and Riding on the Wind from Us Festival. It's like... It doesn't make any sense at all. It, it really pisses me off. You know, it's like, leave the 70s Priest albums 70s. You know? Yeah. Don't mix shit around, you know? Totally. Um, uh, another, uh, just to talk about Exodus real quick. There's a, a press, there's a release of uh, Bonded by Blood that came out maybe 10, 15, or maybe 20 years ago. It was a reissue that Combat put out. And the bonus tracks are live versions of uh, a couple of the songs of Bonded by Blood with Zetro singing them. I have <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then there were none with Zetro and everything yeah. else. Yeah, and that, that bothers me too. Totally. Keep, keep it all bail off. I love Zetro, but keep it all bail off. You know? Right, right, right. Just keep it in the, the same time frame, you know? Bonus tracks drive me nuts. I mean, I don't mind bonus tracks on separate CDs, but when I listen to albums, like, you know, a good example is like those early Cheap Trick. I, I'm a big Cheap Trick fan. Those early Cheap Trick me CDs too. have these horrible fucking bonus tracks. Like, I think the first album is a masterpiece. Then they had to throw in I Dig Go-Go Girls. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck, man? It just, like, ruins the whole thing for me, you know? It's such a shitty song. It's like, this is a perfect album. You have to throw in this shit, you know? <laughs> so that's what they're doing to all these albums, you know? I noticed, like, uh, and I think it even goes on in the 80s. I'm not sure. I never purchased these, though. But I know about them because a friend of mine burned me a CD of every single bonus track. And the only one that really grabbed me was Race with the Devil. Yeah, totally, and that's a doesn't cover to you as well, is it? Um, yeah, I forget, I forget who who it's written by, but I know Girl School cover covered it as well. They do a great version of it. Girl it's School. called the Gun. The band's called the Gun. That's it. I've never it. heard of them. Yeah, and their version's good too. All three versions I've heard are uh, awesome. It's a good killer song. The lyrics yeah. are kind of stupid. The the lyrics are a little. Uh, Little juvenile, like you better run, you better run. <laughs> I've got a big gun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I remember. You just reminded me of that shit. Yeah. Not, not, not that we're gonna talk about live albums, but we need to talk about the next album. You know? Of course, of 
course. Where, you yeah. know, a lot of people say unleashed in the studio. I don't care. It's it's my favorite albums are touched up. My favorite live albums like Kiss Alive, uh, this album. I mean, a lot of my favorite live albums are touched up. Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't take away from the magic at all for me when I read that or someone talks about how all of Halford's vocals were done in the actual studio because he he was sick uh, during yeah. that actual show and it was like his way. I don't give a shit. It just that album has brought me so much joy over the years that you know, just nothing can change it. Nothing. I, I always said, if people lived on a desert island and didn't have information on albums, they'd enjoy music much more. Because oh, there's totally. so many people, oh man, it's a studio. Who cares? It sounds good. Don't you totally. like music? Or you like inside information more? Yeah, Doesn't right. matter. <laughs> and fuck 100% live album. Fuck them. You know, I want them to sound great. If I want to hear a hundred percent live album, I'll go to a fucking concert. Yeah, you know. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's hard to be a Kiss fan and, and you know, and not not be a fan of Unleashed in the East, you know, because yeah, Kiss are the kings of touching up live albums. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. It doesn't make a difference to me at all. It just sounds great, and uh, just so the energy is so fucking high on that record, man. Like, Unbelievable. It's it's every song. There's no low point whatsoever in the whole recording on, on the whole album. Even the so those are bonus tracks that are cool on the Japanese yeah. version. There's four extra songs. You know, uh, uh, delivering the goods, rock forever, uh, uh, bent for leather, Hellbent for leather, and Starbreaker with with the yeah. drum solo. Uh, and those are great. I, I, it's a shame they didn't include them in the American version, but um, yeah, every fucking track is is awesome. I have I have this vinyl uh, that I bought a, even before these bonus tracks were released. Right. And it has uh, Rock Forever, Starbreaker, and Beyond the Realms of Death from that show. Which, oh, wow. Yeah, which always perplexed me. Why didn't they add that to the bonus tracks? Because it's really good sounding. I'm sure you can hear it on YouTube. But yeah, there's also that. I don't, know, I don't understand why they omitted that track from the bonus tracks. It makes no sense. Or maybe there was not enough time you know because it is a seven minute song but yeah right. there, there is it, it's a uk seven inch i got uh i forgot the name of it it's like it has like a red stripe it says judas priest on it and it's four tracks from unleashing east that didn't make the album but it didn't have one of them. i think it didn't have delivering the goods on it or rock forever one of no i think rock forever is on it i think delivering the goods is the one out on there Dude, I have a pretty extensive uh, Judas Priest bootleg collection and single collection, and I've never even heard of this thing you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I'll take a picture. I'll send it to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's okay. rare. It is rare, but I found it years and years ago, and I was like, oh my god, these are from Unleashed in the East. I, you know, this is before the bonus tracks were released. And right. I was like, more Unleashed, and yeah, yeah, it's great bonus material. You know, that's crazy. I mean, I have the Japanese version. That comes yeah. with the extra 45. I have it as well. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. I don't have that. You're talking about vinyl. I have a, a CD version from Japan. Yeah, yeah. I have the vinyl version, and uh, it comes with an extra 45 with the four bonus tracks. But, yeah, there's no uh, Beyond the Realms of Death, though. Damn. Yeah, yeah it is on. I have to look this vinyl up, man. I got to seek yeah. it out. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it. I, I, don't even, I can't remember what it's called offhand. If you want to hold on a second, I'll go grab it. Sure. Okay, I don't think it has a title. It just says 
Judas Priest 33 RPM 12 inch maxi single, and it's only three tracks Rock Forever, Hellbent for Leather, and Beyond the Realms of Death. Wow. Yeah, and it's not a red stripe, it's just all red with a yellow uh, outline. And let me look at this. I, I don't know if this was, uh, it is CBS Records, but I don't know where this was pressed. I think this is actually, believe it or not, from America. Huh. Yeah. I don't think many of these were released, but yeah, it's only three tracks on here. But yeah, sure enough, all three tracks are from Unleashed in the East. And believe me, Beyond the Realms of Death sounds fucking amazing on it. Oh, I'm with, sure with the with the uh, Unleashed in the East production, I mean, yeah, man. I would love to hear that. Yeah, it, it is re- really, really I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah, totally, totally. But, um, but uh, our, yeah. Uh, oh. Like you said, it is a one-two punch. Running Wild, Sinner, Ripper, Green Man, Alicia, Diamonds, and Rust, Victim of Changes, Genocide, Tyrant. It's like it's like a left hook, right hook the whole way through. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember when I first heard that, my sister was in college, my older, older sister, and uh, she came home for the weekend, and she, she was like, never really a metalhead. Like, she liked ACDC and stuff, but she never really got into more heavier stuff. But uh, she was at a dorm party or whatever, and she heard Unleashed in the East. And she's like, oh, man, I got to play this for my little brother. Like, so she recorded <laughs> it and brought it home, dude. And I, yeah, I already had uh, Screaming for Vengeance. And uh, I think I may have already had Defenders of the Faith, maybe, too. But uh, I, I wasn't too familiar with 70s Judas Priest. And I always saw the records in the stores. And I was curious about the album covers, you know, but. Yeah, when I heard Alicia in the East, it was, uh, I was sold for life, man. I was like, dude, Judas Priest fucking crushes Iron Maiden. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> actually, well, actually, I, I'm not I, kidding. I'm not kidding either, dude. I'm with you, bro. Priest, <laughs> I have this really cool meme where it shows like Rocky Balboa punching Apollo and he's falling and it says Iron Maiden on Apollo and it says Judas Priest. <laughs> no, to yeah, me, man, man. come on. I mean, I'm a huge, look, I, I kind of like, you know, I'm a huge Maiden fan up to Power Slave. After that, it's spotty for me, but, but man, Priest to me, man, I mean, yeah, they have spotty albums, but shit, you know, they have great albums, you know, where, I don't know, Iron Maiden to me is like, God damn, can, this, can these songs be any longer, you know? Totally, totally. But, you know, and, and I've also said, man, without Eddie, who knows how big Iron Maiden would have been. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know? <laughs> and I'm with you, man. I mean, they have some cool album covers, but Priest, dude, all the way. Musically and, and vi- visually, they're fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, oh, you know, just because Bruce Dickinson runs and jumps all over the place, I don't give a fuck about that, you know? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I like Rob Hoffer. I prowls the stage, and he's just a badass, you know? Yep, yep. But, like yeah. Totally, totally brooding up there. It looks cool. Yeah. He's a badass. He lives it, man. And um, but what can you say? I mean, there's so much. There's not a, a second of filler on this album. It's yep. to me like you know, it is my favorite Priest album. But you know, judging by studio albums, like, eh. but this album to me is like the greatest heavy metal album, in my opinion. It's just the best. And you know, my favorite band Sabbath. But I got to say, as far as like heavy heavy metal, this album is. The shit cannot be totally, taught. dude. I mean, every uh, every metal drummer I talk to, like like you're on tour with, 
you know, like Gene Hogan or, or whoever, like you're hanging out and you start talking drums eventually and talking about albums that, you know, you dug when you were a kid and just like inspired you to play. But every drummer I talk to, this is definitely one of the first albums mentioned in the conversation. Within the first half hour, we're talking about Unleashed in the East. I mean, I, yeah, just the, the double bass work, especially, man. It's just, it was uh, way ahead of its time. And uh, it still holds up, man. Like the drumming and everything, vocals, everything holds up to, to this day. Like, like uh, not to start doing a Maiden Priest thing again, but like uh, uh, the Maiden Live album. Um, Live uh, After Death? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't hold up so much, you know? Not, not like At Least in the East does, you know? I'm not a and fan I'm of that sure, album. And I'm sure <laughs> Live After Death is touched up a shit ton as well. So Probably, yeah. I'm yeah. just not, I'm not, I'm not, I, I was never into that. I, I love Made in Japan. That's to me oh, my yeah. favorite, my favorite Iron Maiden release. I'm more of a Diano guy, you know? Okay. And uh, I, I just think that EP is like fucking phenomenal. But no, uh, at least these berries, you know, uh, and, the, and the cover too, it's so metal, yep. you know? The yep. way they, they pose in there and I have all these other different, pictures from that same photo session they're all just so badass you know totally so it is less Binks even sitting behind the drums in those pictures you don't like, you don't you don't see them i mean rob hoffert's blocking the view totally man like it always bothers me like when i see the cover and the back cover too like oh man how come the drummer's not getting any love yeah but now i understand yeah that's what i heard i heard they wouldn't they didn't pay him for for what he did on this and that's why he quit I would have too. I mean, yeah, come on, you know, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop it right here because next we go into the 80s. You know, I mean, there's a lot of Judas Priest albums, so there's going to be a part two, part three, maybe, maybe even a part three. I don't know. Maybe I'll just do the 80s, depending on time restraint. Maybe this may be a three parter, but it's great. It's awesome what you've heard so far. It continues to be that awesome as we go on. So uh, tune in next week for part two, which will probably be Judas Priest, the 80s. So uh, let's go into my vault. All right, on this episode in the vault, I'm going to play the bonus track that didn't make the bonuses on the Unleashed in the East release that I talked about, Beyond the Realms of Death, that wasn't on Will's vinyl that brought that 45 or the CD I got from Slip Disc Records in, uh, where was that, Long Island, New York? Am I right? Was it there? I can't remember. But um, uh, Beyond the Realms of Death, that... Man, it should have made it. It sounds just as good as all the other bonus tracks, but maybe it's because of time or strain. It couldn't fit on the CD, or I don't know. They could have made that extra vinyl and Will's uh, uh, vinyl bigger so it could have fit on there because it's it's just as good as all of them. So here it is, the omitted track from Unleashed in the East, Beyond the Realms of Death.
Beyond the Realms of Death, the omitted track from Unleashed in the East. Well, join us next week when me and Will tackle the 80s discography, or maybe the rest of them. I don't know how long it is, uh, but it's going to be here next week. So thank you all so much. Leave me an uh, iTunes review, or I think it's called Apple Podcast Review now. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody, that's sharing my podcast of Vieira Vault and uh, gaining a lot of steam you know there's getting a lot of lot more interest than ever you know because I'm putting all my energy into it you know this is my only podcast and uh, come back next week where me and Will talk about the metal gods smack them a gob <laughs>